Good morning. Good morning. morning. That, that video is right. In this church, you are welcomed, you are cared for, you are loved. We pray that you feel that when you come here or if you're watching online. Thank you to those of us joining online. We, we really do love you. You, you know, if you don't feel that when you come in, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. I'm so grateful to be worshiping with you today. I'm so grateful that you made the decision to be here and, and give your morning to the Lord. I have a question for you. I really want you to think back. Have you ever truly wallowed in a sin? Something you committed? Have you ever really let it take hold of you? Thought about it all day long? Didn't let it go? Kept asking God to forgive you over and over and over again as if once wasn't enough. You ever been there? I have. Do you know we don't need to do that? Do you know that that doesn't change anything? Do you know that God will forgive us? His love endures forever. Not just for a day. Not just for a moment. But forever. As you read this psalm with me this morning, I want you to read it to yourself on the screen. As you read it with me, I want you to hold on to that promise. I want you to remember that we do not need to wallow. God does not call us to that. He has done that for us. He has given it to us. We need to let go of that. So let's read Psalm 106, 1 through 5. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. I almost want to sing that when I, but I won't do that to you. (laughs) Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? We can, people. We can. Blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right. Remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come to my aid when you save them. Israel is in my heart this morning as we read that. Come to my aid when you save them. That I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may share in the joy of your nation and join your inheritance in giving praise. Lord, as we enter into your presence this morning, we want to profess our faith and our love for you. May our love for you endure forever. May we enjoy the prosperity you promise and may we not wallow, but live every day for you in glory and honor. We confess, Lord, that we may fail, and sometimes we do continue to wallow. Thank you for loving us still. And now, as our worship team leads us, may we lift our voices with them to you in praise. As Pastor brings a new series today, may we engage and listen and learn, and may we live what he preaches. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let us stand and profess our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in Christ's universal church, the communion of all believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. I am a Christian. Amen. Let's worship. Good morning, everybody. I encourage you to stay standing and join with us as we sing. 
Uh, and I, I just want to thank you for being here on time this morning. We have a tradition in our church where we grow as the service uh, uh, goes on. More and more people enter it. So maybe if we sing loud, they'll come quicker. So uh, I don't know if there's any theological background to that, but we'll, we could try it this morning. Join me as we sing. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole world with holy wonder and fills us breathless in our wonder? The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace.
surround the people who are praying for needs for, with, with a, an atmosphere of worship. And so we're going to go on and sing the next song. But if you're here and you guys were singing, I encourage you to come down and receive prayer.
and our praise to our Almighty God. Be magnified, O Lord. You are highly exalted. And there is nothing you can't do. O Lord, our eyes are on you. Be magnified, O Lord. Be magnified. Our Father and our God, we worship you this morning for who you are and all that you have done for us. We praise you, Jesus, for not considering your position with the Father as something to be held on to, but rather condescended to become one of us. And then through your perfect and sinless life and death and resurrection, you provided the way for us to be forgiven and to have the sure and certain hope of eternal life with you. Holy Spirit, we praise you for leading us in truth as you reveal Christ to us and through us to our world. We praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We confess to you that we have led less than perfect lives. We have sinned both in mind and action and We have not always been the people of God that you need us to be. Forgive us, Lord, and cleanse us. And restore to us the joy of your salvation. Help us to be pleasing to you in all that we say and in all that we do. We are so grateful to you for your faithfulness to us as your children and as your church here in Washington. Thank you for the many opportunities you have given us to serve you in Jesus' name. Give us compassion, Lord, for the least of these. Help us to love our neighbors without discrimination and without seeking any self-recognition. Help us to boldly proclaim your love for all mankind and to share your plan of salvation with those who need saving. Help us as Faith Discovery Church to be a light in our community in this ever-darkening world. And help us to recognize and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit so that all of our activities may bring honor and glory to you alone. And then for those who need healing this morning, we ask that you hear and answer their prayer. For those who perhaps have not made their needs known, you know what they are, and we ask that you hear and answer their prayers as they lift them up to you. 
And for those who are joining us online this morning, we join with them as well as they present their needs to you. You know the needs of all your people. You are our healer, our provider, our comfort, our peace of mind, and our Lord and Savior. All of these things we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Greet someone, especially if it's someone you may not recognize this morning. Well, hello again. It's nice to see you all. We're going to go through just a few announcements before we continue in worship. If this is one of your first times with us, we hope you do feel very welcome. Um, if you want to fill out uh, I'm an, I'm New Here card in front of you or um, fill out an information card over at the Information Center, we would love to get to know you a little bit more. And there's a gift waiting for you. So welcome as this is one of your first weeks happening today at four o'clock is Awana and Youth. And I will encourage you not to miss tonight if this is a normal thing for you. We hope you'll be here. If you are considering, maybe you've not been to youth group before, this is a great time to come. We are having a missionary come and speak to us um, who's involved in missions in Japan, and um, he will engage your kids, I promise. Um, so if this is a one-off week and you just want to say, hey, maybe let's see what Awana is about or what youth group is about tonight is a great night to come, and I encourage you to do that. Um, also coming up, men's group is having a fire pit on October 21st, which is a Saturday. In your bulletin, it says Friday, false Saturday. <laughs> um, so put it on your calendar um, for Saturday evening up in the parking lot, um, some fire and some fellowship with the guys. Um, so you are very welcome to that. Also coming up, and it should already be on your calendar because we talked about it last week, um, we are getting ready to pack shoe boxes on November 12th. Um, so after church, we can all head up to the fellowship hall and pack together. There will be boxes and things to put in them. It's a great time to invite people um, to do that with us after church. Um, so make it a plan. And there will be boxes and other things available for us if you want to pack boxes as well on your own. Um, you'll be seeing those soon. Okay. Also, Baptism Sunday is going to be November 19th 
here. There will be two classes. You don't have to go to both of them. You just need to go to one of them um, before baptism, and they will be on the 5th and the 12th at 9 before service. If you are interested in that, you can fill out this paper that says Get Involved, and you can stick it in um, one of the offering boxes, or if you uh, scan the QR code, there's also a place that says Get Involved, and you can say, I'd like to be baptized. Um, And the office and Pastor Jason will get in contact with you. So if that's a decision you haven't made yet or a step you haven't taken, we encourage you to do that. That's a joyful Sunday, so um, think about it if that's something that's been on your heart recently. And finally, as we thank you for your giving, we have a couple things to talk about. First, last week we had the um, rummage sale up at the Fellowship Hall, and they made $1,100 for the food pantry. So thank you for... um, Donating for doing that, um, that's a wonderful way to enhance our food pantry ministry. Also, maybe you've noticed there are some changes around here. Um, the men's room, they've paint, the stalls have been painted. Maybe if you walk in, you've noticed a little smell of shellac in the air. Um, we have someone coming redoing all of the woodwork around the sanctuary. Um, he's been working so hard getting that looking beautiful. And we have lights, new... Um, Lights in the cafe, new lights in the hallway in the cafe. And then yesterday, a lot of people spent a lot of time throwing stuff into dumpsters, um, as we've talked about getting the Family Fellowship Hall um, cleaned up, and those spaces are being um, freshened up as well. So thank you. Um, Those are important things, too, as we seek to um, be good stores of the buildings that God has given us, as we seek to be a welcoming place, and as we seek to be a place that can host not just us on a Sunday morning, but many other groups as well. So thank you for your giving. Thank thank you for being faithful. Just as a reminder, you can give online. You can give here in the boxes as you exit or on the tables by the doors. We're so thankful. Those gifts are prayed over, and we pray that we use them wisely as you do give. So after all of those things, you're welcome to stand again as we continue in worship.
morning. Welcome to Faith Discovery Church. If we haven't met, my name is Jason. I'm the pastor here at FTC, and it is a pleasure and an honor that you have chosen to spend a little bit of your Sunday morning with us. If you're joining us online, thank you so much for being here today. We're glad that you're here. You're a part of our community, and we encourage you, even as we talk this morning, to engage each other and, and encourage each other in the chat. As many of you know, the last week has been an awful time in the Middle East. Um, This war, which began with Hamas's attack on Israel, is at once horrifying and abhorrent in body, mind, soul, and spirit. I I know many of you this morning have been to Israel. 
And I'd imagine that that's been the news stories and images uh, this week more real to you, much more real. Uh, personally, I've, I've tried to actually avoid watching anything or reading anything related to the war. It's, it's just, it's honestly, it's too much for me. I know that sounds crazy to some of you, but it's true. The suffering that we have had our eyes open to this week is just plain terrible. Joy and I uh, were away most of this past week. We were uh, remote and secluded, almost completely off the grid. And uh, we were spatially, physically, and technologically separated from the world and the news. The images, the stories, the thoughts, the worries, the opinions, the viewpoints, they were all kind of outside of our scope of our area this week but when i got when we got back and i began to re-engage the world it didn't let it take too long for my heart to break i began to feel frustration i began to feel anger i began to feel sadness the agonizing toll that this has taken on people on all sides of the conflict in that area uh and then also at least theoretically and from a much safer viewpoint and distance around the world It's been heartbreaking for Jewish people. It's been heartbreaking for Arab people. It's been heartbreaking for Israelis. It's been heartbreaking for Palestinians. There's a few people who are very invigorated by this. For the most part, we've seen pictures and images of children who've been orphaned, spouses who've been widowed, families that have been torn apart, and that grips me in ways that it's difficult for me to even allow myself to think about. As I began to reflect on the war and hear and read the stories, I thought about how, for, uh, how that part of the world for, has for centuries dealt with strife that has led to human suffering. In full honesty, we've been planning to talk about what I'm going to talk about today for quite some time. I've been planning to spend some time at this portion of our preaching calendar focused on suffering. And the images and the stories that have come out of this conflict, like the one, just like the ones we saw come out of Ukraine when that war started, have put a current awareness on the subject. And so we're going to talk about suffering for a while. Normally, just as a kind of a, give you a sense of my OCD, I have a very, uh, uh, strong and strict understanding of my preaching of the preaching calendar here at FTC. I know what we're going to talk about for uh I far in advance. I know what we're going to talk about. I know how long we're going to talk about it. I've got I was a little confused this week thinking about Advent because I've spent so much time planning next year's Advent that I was confused about which one we were talking about. I am a little bit obsessive and compulsive about what I'm going to talk about on Sunday mornings. But this is a little different. I'm not exactly sure how many weeks we're going to talk about the the topic and the theme of suffering, but we're going to um, take some time to stay here, to learn here, to dwell here. The truth is that every one of us, or just about every one of us, has dealt with some kind of suffering. Some of us are dealing with it right now. In some kind of suffering in our own way. Several weeks ago, I was discussing this topic and this theme and just uh, 
having a brainstorming session about how we would approach this with one of our elders. And he said that he's found that suffering looks different to him and, and as he's walked with through this through people. Suffering looks different at different stages of life. I think that's true. But I've learned that at any life stage, suffering can cause us to examine our lives. It can cause us to examine our thoughts, our beliefs, our faith, our opinions about about God, our opinions about ourselves, our opinions about those around us and people around the world. And so this morning, I'm going to begin this conversation about what role our plays, our, our faith plays in helping us navigate through this concept of suffering in the world. We live in a world that has sickness, it has disease. Our bodies break down, they don't function properly sometimes. In this world, pain, sometimes chronic, and sometimes acute assaults us. It makes our lives sometimes nearly unlivable. We live in a broken world where people die. People are hungry. Food decays. Wars rage. Governments are corrupt. People take what isn't theirs. Inflict violence on one another. Spouses act uh, hatefully towards each other. Children are abused instead of protected. People die slowly of starvation or they die suddenly from disease. Sexual and gender confusion lives. Drugs addict and destroy. Gossip destroys reputations. Lust and greed control hearts. Bitterness grows like a cancer and the list could go on and on and on. Wow, Jason, you are really encouraging us this morning. We live in a world that includes suffering. And the Christian, which will come as no surprise to any of you, is not immune to it. In fact, God's people have never been immune to it. Lament which is the honest expression of our sorrows to God, makes up 40% of the Psalms. It's the central theme of the book of Lamentations. It's not just Old Testament. It's modeled by Jesus when he cries out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So this morning I'm going to read, we're going to read some Psalms and we're going to talk about suffering. Psalm 3 says, Lord, I, Lord, oh, no, Psalm 3, let's start again. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield about me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the on the jaw break the teeth of the wicked from the lord come to, comes deliverance may my, your blessing may your blessing be on your people that's psalm 3 that's david who is as maybe you know wrote many, many of the psalms it's at a time in his life where he's fleeing from his son not only in his country is there civil war in his family there's civil war His sons led a coup against him, and his heart is broken. 
Now, probably none of you or none of us have ever had a coup led against us by one of our children. But I'm guessing David is not alone in this room of having said things like, Lord, how many, how many things are gonna, am I going to have to deal with? God, deliver me. Have you ever prayed that prayer? In one, in one form or another, in one word or another? God, I can't take this anymore. When it comes to suffering, Scripture is never avoidant or cosmetic in approach. In its approach, the Bible never minimizes the harsh experiences of life in this terribly broken world. And in doing so, the Bible forces us out of our denial and toward a humble honesty. Some of us have been told... That God wants us to have the best of everything. Some of us have been told that suffering is a result of sin. Some of us have been told and led to believe that when we go through a period of suffering, it's our fault. Let me be very honest. I believe God wants us to have the best of everything. But we're going to suffer in this world. I believe suffering is a cause, is a result of sin because we live in a broken world that was broken because of sin. But you don't suffer in life just because you sinned. David, who was credited in Scripture as the person after God's own heart, knew what it was to suffer. He wrote Psalm 3 as he fled from Absalom. In Psalm chapter 6, he would cry out, Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, for my bones are in agony, my soul in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? Anyone ever been there? You're not alone. Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? I am worn out from my groaning. All night I flood uh, my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all of my foes. Uh, they Away from me, all you who do evil. The Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. This is the cry of a person who just doesn't know how much more they can handle. I feel like I could almost at the end of every sentence say ever been there because we have been there. And to live in a world where we deny that that exists is to deny the truth of the mercy of God. Suffering is never abstract. It's never theoretical. It's never impersonal. 
Suffering is real. Suffering is tangible. Suffering is personal. And suffering is specific. And as we've seen, suffering is, not a, to- is a topic that the Scripture does not avoid. And what we see in that scripture, what we see is that scripture never looks down on the sufferer. It never mocks the sufferer's pain. It never turns a deaf ear to the sufferer's cries. It never condemns the sufferer for for their struggles. It presents to the sufferer a God who understands, who cares, and who invites us to come to him for help. And who promises one day to end all the suffering of any kind once and for all. Now, those of you who have heard me talk before, if you've been to church here at FDC at all in the last couple of years, you know that this is a a different viewpoint than I normally present. Um, I am by nature an optimistic realist. I know that about myself, and and so I even looked up the definition of an optimistic realist this week. It says a person who accepts a situation and is hopeful and confident about the future success and is prepared to deal with it all accordingly. They They accept the present, but they envision a positive future, and they take action to make that vision a reality. That's me. I believe good things are going to happen. I'm naive. People think I'm too naive. In fact, as I've talked to some of you, some of you have spoken to me about your frustrations with the way I talk because I always believe it can and will get better. I don't apologize for that. I don't. But I also recognize that suffering is real. Pain is real. And the physical, spiritual, and relational effects that suffering leaves on us are real. This morning I propose not only that do we deal with suffering, excuse me, but I believe that as one suffers, they not only deal with the situation they're suffering, they deal with the way they're suffering. We never come to our suffering empty-handed. We drag a bag full of experiences, of expectations, of assumptions, of perspectives, of desires, of intentions, of faith, of decisions, all of those things in a bag. We drag it into our suffering. So our lives are shaped not just by what we suffer, but what we bring to our situations as we suffer. What you think about yourself, what you think about life, what you think about God, what you think about others, will profoundly affect the way you think about and interact with and respond to the difficulty that comes your way. I'd love to stand here, and I feel like some of us may have been lied to in life, where we come to here and we we hear, not here, but we come to a place where we hear that Christ died so that we won't have to suffer. And that when we do suffer, it's our fault. It's not our fault. Suffering 
is unfortunately a part of this broken world. And so as we begin our our series on suffering, I want to begin by reminding us that God is never absent in our suffering. He's never unaware of what it's like to suffer. There are times where we, one of the things, the powerful thing that suffering can do is it isolates us and we begin to see from our own perspective that we have it worse or harder than anyone's ever had it and that people can't understand. And so we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to hear about it. We don't want to be encouraged by anyone. We don't want to be around anyone because no one knows the weight of the pain that we're facing. I'm not here to minimize the weight of the pain that you face in life. But I'm thankful that we serve a God who faced all of it. And so while you may feel like you're the first, you're not. You may feel like yours is the heaviest, it's not. Jesus, who is present in our suffering, faced all of it. I've talked a lot about scripture this morning and how it doesn't shy away from suffering, but it does more than that. Scripture presents to us a suffering savior. There was no relief for the travail of Jesus. See, his his life began with ignominious conditions at birth. Moves on to him having to flee with his parents immediately to protect his life he would go on to essentially be homeless he would be despised and rejected he faced cruel justice while he was betrayed and forsaken by those closest to him he faced torture and crucifixion and finally the ultimate torture jesus faced that while he hung on the cross his father turned his head Jesus was the one person who ever experienced suffering alone. None of us would ever be willing to exchange our life, no matter how hard it's been, for the life that Jesus lived while he was on earth. He suffered, not just in one way, but in every way. And he suffered not just for a period of time, but for his whole life. He suffered not just for himself, but for all humanity. The one to whom we cry, when we cry out in pain, knows our pain. Because his experience was to suffer From the moment he was born until his final breath. The optimist in me looks to words, looks to scripture, looks to literature, looks to pop culture, looks to anything to find a remedy for suffering. I don't like sad books. I like to read. I don't like sad books. I won't watch a movie if they kill the dog. I don't want to watch a movie that's sad. Although 
I was reminded this week of years ago, Joy and I, I took Joy to the movies, and we went to see The Perfect Storm. Perfect Storm is a, a movie about a, a, it's a, it's based on a true story. And so we're 10, 15 minutes into the movie, and they, the boat sails out to sea. And the viewpoint is like a shot from behind as the boat goes out. And if you've seen one movie, you've seen enough movies to know that it's that kind of shot. Bad news is coming. And Joy turns to me and she goes, they better not die. And I was like, are you kidding? This is a true story. They die. Sorry if I spoiled the movie for you. She's like, why are we watching this? For most movies, that's a fair point for me. I don't want to watch a sad movie. Life is sad enough. I want the happy fairy tale. I'm a realistic optimist. Or an optimistic realist, whatever which one I said before. I like good things. I like them to end well. I look for solutions. When I find people who are suffering, I want to have the right word to make it all better. But sometimes in life, you can't. I look for remedies to suffering. Sometimes there is none. There is suffering in this world. And we will deal with it. In fact, Jesus even said it in John chapter 16. In verse 33, he says, I have told you these things so that you may take, uh, so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world, you'll have trouble. couple things from this verse. Can we throw that verse up there? Because these aren't even the notes, and I just want to hit it. I've told you these things so that in me, Jesus, you might have peace. But in the world, you're going to have trouble. When we look to the world for peace, we're looking to the wrong place. Jesus said, in me, you'll have peace. When we look to situations, circumstances, other people, solutions, our own best ideas, we're not guaranteed peace. In G- The only place we can find peace is in Christ, sustaining peace. And then he says something that I wish he didn't say. You ever, you ever had those experiences in Scripture? You're like, well, I wish that wasn't there. I mean, you're, I know we're, we're not supposed to. But in this world, you're going to have trouble. Well, thanks, Jesus. We don't serve a God who lies to us about or lets us be naive to the fact of what we're going to face. In fact, if you read on in Scripture, almost every New Testament author in one place or another talks about the suffering that the people are going to deal with because of their faith. To be a Christian is to know suffering. In this world, you will suffer. In this world, there's suffering. 
In the next few weeks, we'll talk about, I want to, uh, and in the messages I share, I want to explore the traps that suffering presents to us. But I also want you to remember this this morning. In this world, you will have suffering, but we have hope. He says, but take heart, but be of hopeful. Be encouraged. I've overcome the world. We have hope. We have a present hope. We have a future hope. We can take heart because we know, because we have a suffering Savior who has overcome the world. It's weird to say this, but I'm really talking, I'm really looking forward. I'm really kind of encouraged about our talks about suffering because I'm really looking forward to see how this brings hope and comfort to those of us who are navigating suffering in this world. Jesus doesn't promise that temporarily you won't deal with suffering. Someday there will be no suffering. But right now, he just promises to be with us while we suffer. When we face difficult situations. So this morning, I have just a few takeaways for you. Some of you are like, takeaways? It's not even 11 o'clock yet. This is great. First takeaway for you this morning is, I encourage you to be honest with yourself. Especially about what you're feeling and you're experiencing. I've spent a lot of my own life in denial about the situations I faced. It's not healthy to live that way. It's important to be honest with ourselves about where we are. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, holistically. There are times where life is hard. There are times where we struggle. There are times we don't understand. In those moments, there is a temptation, especially for those of us who have been in church for a long, long time, to over-spiritualize it. For all things work together for good, so this must be good. It's okay to know this ain't good. I believe God. I have hope for a future. I believe he can use this to bring good somehow. But Don't subject yourself to the lie that says you just have to be okay with whatever happens in this world. Jesus wasn't. Jesus is in the garden. And I talk about this often because it fascinates me. And he asks the father, God, if there's any other way we could do this. That's an admission of this isn't good. And then on the cross... God, why have you forsaken me? That's not good either. Jesus understood what it was to face situations that weren't good. He didn't lie about them. God, if there's any other way for us to do this, but this must be good because you have a plan, even though I don't understand how you could think it was good. No, if there's any other way we could do this, but not my will, your will. And so in his suffering, there's submission, but there's not an over-spiritualization that says, well, this, this is just good. Everything that just happens is good. No, sometimes not good happens. Be honest with yourself. Care enough about yourself to be honest with yourself. 
Second, (laughs) be gracious to yourself. Give yourself permission to feel the things you feel. Even share those feelings with God. That's part of lament. Those 40% of the Psalms, there's 150 Psalms. If you do the math, 60 of them, 60 of them are people crying out because their life ain't good. And that's in the Bible. God wants us to bring our concerns, our cares, our struggles, our suffering to him. Because he's a gracious and merciful God. Because he loves us. Because he's not naive to the things that we will face in this world. It's part of lament. It's part of a healthy relationship. To be able to be honest enough to say, I'm struggling. I don't like this. This one didn't work for me. God, why did that have to happen? As you read the the laments in the Psalms, as you read Lamentations, as we examine the the words of Jesus, there is in the suffering a a submission, a sacrifice, and ultimately a willingness to submit to the overall sovereignty of God and a, ho- and a belief and a hope that he has overcome the world. But in the moment, there are struggles. And it's, it's, we're not being honest with ourselves, with those around us, or with God if we deny that those things are real. God made us and gave us feelings and emotions. It's not that we should deny them. Third, Third takeaway, remember God is present with you. Scripture tells us there's nothing that can separate us from the love that's in Christ Jesus. Psalm 34, 18, you can put that up. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I like to stand up here and talk to you about the future, about how everything's going to go. But I'm not doing us any any justice if I don't talk about the fact that sometimes in this world we're going to face suffering. What do you do when life is hard? You have to remember you're not alone. No matter how much you feel alone, you're not alone. There is nothing that can separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus. You may face hard times. 
Becoming a Christian does not mean you don't have to face hard times in the world. If that's what you were told, I'm sorry that's what you were told. But we serve a God who's experienced all of it and who will never leave us, never forsake us, is always present with us and has overcome the world. just want to come back to that psalm one more time. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, saves those who are crushed in spirit. There will be times where you'll be brokenhearted. There'll be times where you'll be crushed in spirit. And there'll be times where you feel that God has abandoned you. In those moments... Remember, he's, weird. he's near. He is present with us in our suffering. And then there are times when the person next to you is suffering. And, is, and even though you're right next to them, they feel alone. God is present with them in and through them and in and through you. It's so important for us to not isolate ourselves in our suffering and to not let those around us isolate them in their suffering. So when you're, when you know someone who's suffering and they isolate themselves, be a pest, be around them. Call them. They won't answer the phone. Call them again. Text them. Let them know you're there. You're praying for them. You want to make dinner for them. You want to take them to the store with you. Find a way to be around them. You don't have to have all of the answers to the problem. Let me say that for some the person who needs to hear that. Jason... You don't need to have all the answers to the problem. Be there. We're going to talk about the traps of suffering over the next couple of weeks. But the principal one, the principal most important thing that we can start with in our suffer- as we talk about suffering is to know Jesus is present with us. And we need to be present with each other. Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, I thank you that you are present with us no matter what we're facing. But I admit that there are times when it's hard to sense your presence. It's hard to know you're there. Jesus, even as we come to the communion table this morning, I pray that you would help us to remember The truth is that you've overcome the world and that you are close to the brokenhearted. In your name I pray. Amen. I'm going to invite the elders forward. We're going to share communion this morning. We do that at the end of just about every week. It is a 
It's an ordinance or a sacrament that we do each because it, it reminds us that God is present with us. In fact, it's, it's, it, the Bible teaches us about this, the Last Supper and Jesus broke bread and he drank the cup with them and told them to remember him when they would come back to this meal. Because there's a sense of, in this world, we can be so surrounded by all the things that are going on that we can forget the truth of what's real. Jesus is present with us. And so when we share communion, this is an invitation, a tangible invitation of Jesus into our lives with us. Be with us in body and in spirit. So I invite you to stand. Come to the aisle, the center aisle, which are closer to you. Receive the elements from, from the elders and return to your seats and we'll share together. He took the bread and he broke it. He said to his disciples that this was his body that had been broken for them. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I don't deserve what you did for me. But I thank you for doing it. I thank you for welcoming me into your family. And so this morning I welcome you in into my day. Would you take the bread? In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, remember me. Jesus, this cup, signifies the suffering and beating that you took on the cross. Jesus, I thank you for the suffering that you allowed yourself to face on my and our behalf. But I also thank you for putting yourself in a place where you know everything that I face. You know what it is to be in want. You know what it is to be hurt. You know what it is to be alone. You know what it is to be scared of the future. And yet you overcame the world. 
God, help us to live in the hope of your victory. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you take the cup? Would you stand as I offer today's benediction? The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine on you. The Lord be gracious to you and turn his face toward you and give you peace. And Jesus, I pray that your words that you said as you left the disciples' presence would be in our hearts and minds and we would be confident of and cognizant of this week that surely you are with us always. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday. Thank you.